um, uh, what do they call the rigs? The uh, the sliding. What do you call them? I, uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> where they're on the rails. I can look it up. Maybe. Yeah, can you look that up? Uh, let's see. Camera rig on rails. God, what do they know. call that? Such a common thing. Uh, too. A tracking shot. Overhead slider rig. Yeah, I'm just going to say that. Welcome to another episode of the Award Goes To podcast, where we celebrate the films that have won Best Picture throughout the years and discuss their history of filmmaking, one Oscar winner at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Patrick Pizzolarusso, and with me is... Lauren Olipra, one of the other hosts. One of the other hosts. And on this episode, the award goes to Wings. Wings! Wings! The very first Best Picture Award winner for the 1927-1928 awards season. You say 1927-1928 because... Because, unlike uh, modern times where uh, all of the films that are up for Academy Awards were filmed within that year, or at least the, the prior year. Um, the first couple of years that they had an Academy Award, um, they spanned about a year and a half um, until they they decided to readjust some things, and then everything was... Yeah, everything was, okay. They had themselves figured out. I think it was 1933 is when they finally got it. So everything that was premiered in 1932 was up for award in the season in, uh, in 1933. And just makes things a little easier, doesn't it? Right? I think so. It's kind of like, the, what is it, the electric bill or something where it would come every two months? It's <sighs> like, why? Right? And you're always like, well, I didn't really use the air conditioner last month. Oh, wait, the month before was bad. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. This film is interesting because the very first Academy Awards, there actually wasn't a best picture. There was um, best production and then best film that won artistic quality of a production. So this one won best production and it is considered, uh, that's best picture. Um, and then there's a film called Sunset, which was distributed by Fox Studios and that won best artistic quality of a production. I know nothing about it because we're not talking about it. If you did some research <laughs> about it, Lauren, that's awesome. Did you look it up at all? Uh, I heard the title, but I don't know anything about it. Perfect. This is yeah. great. <laughs> I love it. Who cares about that film, right? This is a long time ago, man. There's, no, there's a lot going on in 2020. Right? Could be worried about all the films. Oh, so many. So yeah, so we're looking at the best production, um, and that was Wings, which was produced by uh, Paramount Studios. The mountain. Mm-hmm. Uh, some things that we the we mountain about... that was also in what uh, Raiders. Ah uh, yes, 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 yeah, yeah, yes, it was. Wings was the the only silent film to win a Best Picture uh, until the artist came out in 2012, and that won Best Picture. But after um, the artist decide after uh, the award ceremony in 1929, everything else was. Was a talkie, you hear? A talkie. I see, I see a trend here, you know? Like, maybe if you make a silent film in current times, it'll just automatically win an Oscar? Yeah. Oh, I think it's got to be silent and black and white. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the formula. Just, like, have an actress, a, a well-known actress, go put on some prosthetics. It's exa- Oscar. Exactly it, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's how it works. Or yeah. just play somebody who uh, was real. And an icon. Right. So we could get a movie 
You can make a silent movie <laughs> about an icon who wears prosthetics. A female icon. All right, so uh, Wings was directed by uh, William A. Wellman. Um, he was chosen as director because he actually had military experience in World War One. They called him Wild Bill. Did they really? Wild Bill Wellman, yeah. Because oh. because he was a fighter pilot uh, in World War One, he won that nickname of Wild Bill. Hmm. And he was, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, And he was only 29 years old when he directed the film. Really? Yeah. Look at that. Yeah, look at that. Wow. That's one of the reasons why he was chosen, which you probably already said. It is. But no, that's good. Uh, it also had a budget of $2 million, which was pretty huge at the time. And it it took about, I think, about seven to eight months to film. Most films back then did not take that long. This took a long time because of the dogfights. They had about 300 extras um, filming all of like, the trench warfare, the the planes up in the air. And it's, it's all, if we're talking about 1927, 28... It's all practical effects. There's no CGI. There's no post-production, really anything. So the majority of that stuff happened right there. So it it took a while to actually build those massive sets. Um, there's a scene where they're... I don't know what country they're in. I'm going to say... Eh, Germany. We'll say Germany. But there's a, a... Basically, a town collapses. It gets bombed. And that was an actual... Like, that just... They built they built a town, and then they collapsed buildings because um, they had to st- simulate the, uh, the bombs falling. This is why it took so long to film and why it cost so much money, too. But oddly enough, uh, you mentioned the trench warfare that happened. Um, they, From what I understand, they filmed this in Texas. And during the time, during a large portion of the filming, there was a lot of uh, overcast clouds. And the day that they were going to film that trench scene, they, re- they rehearsed it over and over and over again. Wellman was waiting for the sun to come out. He really needed the sun for this scene. And uh, had he was up on a platform and he had all of these pyrotechnic, pyrotechnic buttons at his command and rehearsed it over and over again. And as soon as the sun came out, he yelled action and they filmed that whole thing in five minutes. Whoa. Yeah. Nice. Five minutes. But somebody during the time, because he was in charge of all the pyrotechnic buttons that were, go, you know, the explosions, the war of explosions course. going off. He would go in order. And like I said, they rehearsed it over and over again. So he was going in order. And right, uh, like in the middle of it, somebody came up on the platform and distracted him. He hit the wrong button, and one of the pyrotechnics went off and actually injured two of the actors. They ended up being okay, but they he injured two of the actors because he was distracted mm. in that moment. But it's just an amazing feat that because of the sun, they filmed that scene in five minutes. I mean, and that's how you had to do things back then. Like you go, 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 go. We only yeah. have a amount of time. You know, you can't simulate sunlight. You know? Right. Not like we can now. I also like the fact that Wild Bill was like, nope, I will be in charge of everything. (laughs) Yeah. The movie uh, starred um, the it girl of the time, Clara Bow. This was actually a vehicle made for her, even though when you watch the film, she doesn't really have that big of a part in it. But it was designed as a vehicle for her because she was Paramount's biggest star at the time. That's right. Charles Buddy Rogers... Uh, Richard Arlen, those are the two gentlemen who are basically vying for not Clara Bow's character, a different character in it, but they're also the two main fighter pilots. And uh, the other notable actor, or I guess star, is Gary Cooper. This wasn't he, up... wasn't his, uh, wasn't he discovered or actually made big by this part? This is one of the ones, this, this was his very first film, and this is the film that uh, basically helped create his career. And he has such a small 
walk-on little cameo. He's barely in this film. But he makes a big impact. Yeah. Something about his entrance, something about um, his look, everything resonated with people. And from this moment on, he, he became a big star. This also is what started a very long, on-again, off-again love affair between him and Clara Bow. So, well done. So there you go. Well done, everyone. Quick synopsis about the film. Two young men, one rich, one middle class. They're in love with the same woman, and they become fighter pilots in World War One. <laughs> and the hilarity ensues. <laughs> hilarity <laughs> ensues. Yeah. Now, concerning Clara Bow... They called her the It Girl because mm-hmm. she was actually the, the female lead in a movie called It. And so from then on, she was yeah. known as the It Girl, which was actually pretty fitting because she was, she was pretty much a big icon back then. I'll have to say, Patrick, when you and I were watching it, she was really good. I, it, it doesn't surprise me that really even though she good. wasn't the main character, that she, she was the It Girl because... Her, her humor, I believe, mm-hmm. was like, to me, it was ahead of the time. Oh, it was spot on. Her oh, comic yeah. timing was perfect. Oh, yeah. Great comedian, great physical comedy, and just, I, it was just so much more progressive than I expected. I mean, but there's also, there's a great scene um, about midway through the film where they're on leave and she finds um, the character Jack, who she loves. Um, she finds him in a, a club in Paris. She's actually going there to be like, hey, your leave is cut short. you got to come back with me. And he's trashed. He doesn't recognize her at all. And she's in love with this guy from her hometown. And and she just emotes so well without any dialogue. And it's nothing that's over the top either. I think a lot of people think silent film is going to be way over the top and it's going to be very melodramatic, like stuff you would see on stage at the time. But it wasn't. It was very realistic but she was doing she was doing comedy she was doing very serious dramatic work in this she was all over the board and just fantastic yeah unfortunately she was because she was a a part of the studio contract system from what i understand she was used as a pawn a lot uh mm. during her career um she was a, uh, had a real rough childhood and then also was not treated well by the studio heads uh unfortunately oh you know what uh wings won my research said that Wings won two Oscars, and I know you said that Best Picture didn't exist, but they said Best Picture and Best Effects. Oh yeah, well it wasn't Best Picture; it was Best Production. Okay. Um, which then turned but best into Best Effects Picture. as well. Yeah, and Best Effects, and and I would say rightly so because yeah, we had you you talked earlier about Wild Bill and his pyrotechnics, but um, <laughs> <laughs> the. The war scenes were described as being extremely realistic, which again is one of the reasons why I guess they chose Wellman to film it because he had the most experience and he made it look as real as possible. They also used actual Air Force and military people in it as trainers, as uh, extras, but also to be there to make sure like, okay, you're, yeah, you're, you're portraying this correctly. But some of the, the really special effects, they, this is crazy to me. All of the actors, if you, were, if you were one of the people flying the plane, they had to operate the plane, operate the camera, make sure that everyone who's behind them, other planes, let's say you're, you're one of the U.S. pilots, you had to make sure that the German planes were behind you in frame and also, you know, act. No big deal. So I think some of those special effects are one of the reasons why it, it probably won for that because there was a lot of that all throughout the, the film. Yeah, and Richard Arlen actually had flown before, but uh, Buddy Rogers had never, he'd never even 
been in a plane before. <laughs> he never he seen a learn. plane before. <laughs> He'd never seen one, never heard of such a thing. No, I'm joking. Yeah, no, Buddy Rogers had never uh, been in a plane before and actually had to, like you said, learn how to fly in order to do these scenes and also had a fear of heights, I believe. Oh, of course. So Why not? He would go, yeah, he would go up and I was watching an interview where he was talking about it. He would go up and be so terrified the whole entire time. And when every time he would come down, he would throw up. Oh, oh, that's that's almost <laughs> debilitating. That is a fear. Yeah, yeah. I was not anticipating that. Wow. And so he managed to do that and still, well, I mean, I guess he didn't totally compose himself because he threw up. I mean, up, what, but, we, what we actors do. But the, the, he was like, all right, I'm good. Send me back up. <laughs> Apparently he, Buddy Rogers, over the time of the film, he, he logged over 90 hours of flight time. Oh, yeah, That's but even amazing. then, he still threw up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm comfortable now, but I'm just going to let you know I'm going to throw up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's some other things that are in this film, uh, special effects-wise, since we were talking about that besides the flying. Um, I think this film is, is is one of those films that they show in film study classes and stuff like that because of some of the um, more intricate shots. There's two shots that really stand out to me the first one happens very early on in the movie. The characters of David and Sylvia. Sylvia is the, the love interest between both Jack and David. Um, uh, David and Sylvia are on a swing, and the camera is attached to the swing. So they are basically steady and in frame the whole time, but you see, obviously, the, the background is moving. Um, the scene starts with Jack in the prior scene getting in his car, driving to go visit Sylvia because he's in love with her. And so we see his car leave frame, um, we're now focused on these two in a swing. Again, with the camera attached to it, focused on them. We see Jack's car pull up and Jack come running up to them. And then he stops the the swing from swinging. And then he has this whole dialogue with Sylvia because he's in love with her. But that whole sequence is, it, it feels like it's happening in real time. From the moment he leaves his house to the moment he stops the swing. And just the fact that the camera's actually mounted on the swing I, I mean, I feel like now we wouldn't think of like, yeah, mount it to the swing. We yeah, just right. have a camera <laughs> pointed at the swing. They did some really clever shots. Yeah. Uh, I know you and I remarked about there's a scene where they're in, I don't know if it's a restaurant or like a dance hall. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's all these little night nightclub tables, like just for like two little people. little cafe tables, yeah. Yeah, little cafe tables. And there's couples at each one. I mean, the whole, the whole uh, scene is filled with these tables. But the camera flies over like a good five tables and goes in between each couple and then lands on Buddy Rogers in a close-up of his champagne glass. And I was just blown away by this camera movement which you would see in modern day films and i was like how the heck did they do that so i looked it up and apparently they built a sliding uh rail rig above all of these uh i, I think it was attached to the ceiling or, mm -hmm. or you know the the grid up above and they they just rode that camera all the way through going above the tables and then landed on that perfect perfect shot of the champagne glass which i just thought it was so impressive especially for the time yeah that's my my second shot that blew me away and the first time i saw it i just assumed the camera was because cameras back then we had this idea that they're massive cameras but it, they weren't always massive you, you could kind of make them portable but i just assumed it was on a track and on wheels and that grips were just pulling the tables and the people apart as the camera that's went what through. I, that's what I thought too, but it was just like, it was just too perfectly yeah. done. 
but yeah. like, the the camera operator and the camera are on this suspended apparatus and it's flying just over the top of the tables and the uh the fact that it lands i mean it it stops perfectly right on him it's so good what's fun you said uh that it's comparable to to shots used today there is a shot in i think it's it's i don't think it's the last jedi it's one of the last two star wars films i don't think it's rise of skywalker i think it's the last jedi where Finn is at the casino and the same shot happens of a camera moving through the crowd Uh and it ends on him. He actually pops into frame at the very end and it ends at like a craps table or something like that. But it's, it's total. I mean, they're totally paying uh, respect to that shot. Oh yeah. I see Like after watching this movie, I realized how many films were inspired by by wings didn't you say the the fighter scene inspired a lot of the star wars i like like to think so i i can't say for certain but when you watch that you're like oh that's that is that has to be something that lucas was looking at yeah and i feel like they intentionally made the sound effect of the star fighters or what are they called tie fighters (laughs) x-wings or the tie fighters x-wings tie fighters i think the tie fighters i think didn't they specifically make those sound like the old uh fighter jets yeah Fighter jets, I should say. Fighter jets. Um, I do know that uh, uh, it did inspire the 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 aviation scene did inspire Tony Scott uh, when he was making Top Gun. Oh well, I mean that makes so much sense. Yeah, I mean definitely Lucas, as a uh, going to film school, would have seen this, and he also grew up on all the old movies and the old serials, so this would be something that would be in the back of his head, um, if not blatantly inspiring Star Wars um, and other of obviously other movies that have to deal with any kind of war or anything like that starting to watch it i thought oh well maybe like you know the 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 title cards at the beginning kind of maybe they also inspired star wars but then i realized it's a silent film so it's just going to be title cards across the board it's like mm, everything can't be inspiring or inspired <laughs> <laughs> eh. well maybe just what they remember of the film when right. they when they saw it yeah i mean there's some really nice shots those two shots that we just talked about love those and then of course the shots of the i mean on the planes uh flying the whole aerial battle it takes a really long time <laughs> it does but it's it does. really well shot it's a it's it a, just a beautiful uh, depiction of air warfare especially back in 1917 is when it was supposed to be shot there's some things in this film that also stand out and kind of resonate with what's going on in the world today um, we both picked up on this when we watched it, and it's a lot of anti-immigrant sentiments. Um, there's anti-Irish and and uh, anti-German and Dutch. Um, there's one character who kind of turns out to be the comic relief throughout the whole thing, but he's German, and they're fighting the Germans. So they're like, not in our army! <laughs> with, a, <laughs> with a name like that! And like he pulls his shirt off, and he's got like an American flag tattoo. So they're like, oh, well, okay, right this way. Clearly, that's all that it takes. <laughs> that's all it takes. That's all it takes. But they also, there's some Irish, uh, anti-Irish sentiment in this as well. And so it's interesting, like, the stuff like that's still going on today. And this is, you know, a hundred years later. That is interesting. And it, and it just kind of blows my mind that it did have a lot of stuff that just echoes through time. But also, it going back with the whole Clara Bow uh, comedy aspect, even though this is separate, um, the, the progressiveness of this film for the time that it was, because this was actually the first film 
first motion picture that had uh, that showcased a same sex kiss. You're right. Yeah. Uh, at the very end, David and Jack have this right. very, and a lot of people are like, oh, it's platonic because uh, the character of Jack is is dying. Sorry, the character, yes, the character of David is dying, um, and Jack yeah, Richard Arlen's character. Yeah, and so Jack kisses him as until he like, you know, I'm it's his fault, and so he's like, I'm sorry, uh, and I think later on people are now starting to layer other things on there. Uh, I, I don't know if you could read that in there or not, maybe, but it is definitely the first depiction. In 1929, the first depiction yeah. of a same-sex kiss. Yeah. Um, there's also, and I've watched this scene over and over again, it, we're going back to that same shot in the cafe, because it's so, just so well done. Um, one of the couples at one of those cafe tables, it's two women, and they are most definitely on a date and flirting with each other. So that's. I think I remember seeing that. Yeah. Really interesting. I've I've watched it multiple times. I'm like, no, no. One of them is dressed, you know, stereotypically more masculine. But when you really like slow it down and look at it, like her dress is still like she's. These are two women, and I love it. And I wonder if that was intentional or if that just if just public affection between people was different. Could be. I don't know. Um, I I don't know. Um, it's something that it, it's it's glossed over. It's it's a non-issue. That's true. You yeah. Know? yeah. And right. like, we are now like, oh, oh my gosh, I got to make an issue out of it. But back then, it's clearly a non-issue. Right. One of the things I noticed that being a silent film, we are obviously reading the, the title cards as we're watching what's going on. Um, and I noticed that as you're watching a scene, the the actors are, are acting, they're doing everything they're supposed to do, and they will start to talk and then it'll go right to the title card. So it's, I've, I guess I've always thought, and I've seen a lot of silent films and, and it took this one for me to finally go, Oh, you know what? I've been wrong in my mental image of what a silent film is. They don't talk. And then you see the title card. They begin the thought and then the title card comes up and then you Which see. Which is nice. Cause that just fits the flow of the dialogue. Exactly. So for it, the audience otherwise i mean this it would have been an extremely long film if you're acting everything and then we're watching them speak without sound and then we're reading what they just said right even though the the it is a pretty long-running film though it is the runtime yeah um it is and it, but it still like pace wise it does move at a pretty good pace the, yeah i think the only time that i thought okay this is getting long was during the war and i think yeah. maybe that's generations now um, maybe we have a shorter attention span. <laughs> they probably or just, like, they put so much effort into it. They probably just wanted it all in there. <laughs> and like, maybe it's like, eh, I've seen this before, but back in 1929, this was all new. Yeah, that's true. You know? That's true. Yeah. So yeah, going back to the dogfight scene and like the stunts and stuff that we were talking about how, uh, they won the award for best effects, uh, as well as what we would consider best picture today. Only two planes were destroyed during the time of, of, uh, of the film. Well done. And only uh, and one injury injury of a stuntman, and his name was Dick Grace. And apparently he was a really amazing um, flyer and had just gotten done doing a, a fantastic trick where the plane ends up on the ground and upside down, and he's totally fine. And then they yell cut, and he's he forgets that he's upside down in a plane, and he undoes his, uh, his seatbelt. <laughs> or his whatever you would call that and falls and breaks his neck 
<laughs> like a dummy. I should not be laughing at that. But I love. I know, like, but it's really funny. I'm okay. Yeah, it's not funny, but it's funny because like he goes and he does this amazing, fantastic, uh, <laughs> you know, flight crash, and then he's like, "Okay, I'm ready to leave the plane." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I this is probably not what Wellman was like at all. But in my head, the the stereotypical 1920s director is like, "Did we get it? We got it." You got it, right? You got it? Like, that's all that he probably cares about. We got the shot? We got the shot. Okay. Yeah, you would think so. But when uh, uh, when I was telling you about the uh, pyrotechnic incident where the two men were um, knocked out mm-hmm. uh, because of a, his his mistake with pushing the wrong button, everybody else was just ecstatic when the when he cut, yelled cut because they had finished the shot in five minutes. And um, everybody was, like, applauding and having a great time. But his first uh, concern was the safety of his extras. So. Oh, that's great. So he wasn't totally that stereotype, apparently. He <laughs> wasn't an absolute jerk. A fun fact about William Wellman was that he was he he was an actor when he first started out, but he uh, he, he was in a movie called A Knickerbocker Buckaroo. Uh, of course, yeah. <laughs> I think that he didn't make more films that, <laughs> with Buckaroo in the name. But anyway, so the this Knickerbocker Buckaroo it uh, premiered at the Egyptian Theater here in Hollywood. And um, so he went and he was super excited to go see this film that he was in. And he sat down in the seat. He watched it for about 30 minutes, absolutely loathed how he looked on the big screen, walked out and proceeded to vomit outside oh. the theater. Oh, there's a lot <laughs> of vomiting on, associated with from, that I know there was just, everyone just vomited back then. <laughs> but yeah, he, uh, he hated it, just that one instance. Hate, he hated it enough that it changed his whole career. And from then on, he wanted to be a director. Wow, I yeah, uh, I mean, I can kind of relate with not liking watching I don't myself feel like on a, the yeah, screen. Yeah, I feel like a lot of actors don't. I know, like Gene Hackman doesn't like to watch his own no. movies. He doesn't like to see himself. It it depends. I feel like you should watch your own stuff. I feel like people are like I never watch my stuff. You should probably watch it at least once. And I can understand yeah. like I don't want to watch that one ever again. But I don't think I've been brought to the point of vomit. <laughs> after watching have you my premiered own... at the egyptian theater <laughs> right oh i am oh oh i am terrible <laughs> i've made a terrible choice <laughs> wow well yeah uh, i thought that was a fun a fun little fact also Absolutely. he was such an obstinate uh man that uh his attitude and his independence it actually ticked off um paramount to the degree that he actually wasn't even invited to the academy awards for when uh wings yeah for when (sighs) wings uh won the award he wasn't even there he sure showed them i also didn't realize that he wrote a star is born oh did he really oh yeah which has had several remakes over the years it's also interesting because uh i mean i'm sure that has nothing to do with that um but the name one of the the through lines in this is the name of the race car. At the beginning of the film, Jack and Mary are are building this race car, and uh, they name it the Shooting Star. And then during right. the war, he becomes known as the Shooting Star. That's sort of his call sign. Um, and at the very end, they, they they talk about it again, and we actually see an, an actual Shooting Star. And then he wrote, "A Star Is Born." There's no connection at all. <laughs> <laughs> But hey, you know, maybe there is something there. I don't know. Maybe he inspired himself for a later film. One of the things that that I saw during this, which I guess made me laugh a a little bit, was product placement. 
and it, it this isn't the first time it's happened product placement was something that was happening in films prior to this but i think this is one of the first times that it is like you just smack they smack you in the face with it and there's a scene where they still, <laughs> they still do, do. But i feel like this is yeah. the first time like yeah make sure they get a close-up of that Gary yeah. cooper's character uh dies and they're going through his things and he's got a chocolate bar. He's eating a chocolate bar in the scene before. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah and that's at right. First, it's it's kind of upside down. You can see that it's a chocolate bar, but you can't. It's just like a generic chocolate bar. And then they turn it over, and it just says Hershey in giant letters. <laughs> and I was like, I can't believe that. You know what? Now I want a Hershey bar. And I was like, Damn it, it works. You feeling low? Have some right? Hershey's. <laughs> Don't die like Koopa. Have a Hershey's. Did you? Did you just die? Did you just die in the war? Have some chocolate. Okay. Yeah, there was some interesting things like that. I, I thought that was very. Fun. I think it was the only thing that was overtly in your face. Product placement. There was definitely a moment that made me laugh. It has something to do with product placement. They're in the. This is about midway, and I believe it's before they go on leave. Um, they're in the middle of the trenches, and I think it's Jack who shows up. And he's greeted by his new commanding officer. Like they're in the middle of war in the trenches, and the commanding officer goes, "Let's drink." <laughs> like, all right, okay, that's fine. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. liquid courage, I guess. Maybe that's where that was born. Um, one of the things that that stands out to me as a ridiculous moment: they are on leave in Paris because that's what you do. When you're fighting a war and you go and leave, you go to Paris. I believe it's Jack's character again, because it kind of does follow Jack more than David. It's the two of them, but it really does kind of follow Jack. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's uh, in like a horse-drawn carriage, and the carriage driver, who looks a lot like Teddy Roosevelt, um, they're they're racing through the streets of Paris, and he steals some woman's parasol. For for I don't remember this part. For what? Yeah. He just, that's it. He just steals. There's a woman standing on the street and they, they, they careen past her and Teddy Roosevelt, the driver, just steals her parasol, parasol and laughs. And then the next scene is, is going into the, the restaurant, the club scene with that amazing shot. I just like, that's such a random it's comedy, see? Thing. Comedy. Yeah. Levity. Add a little levity to this film. Well, and at first I thought it really was Teddy Roosevelt. Like, no, it's just a guy <laughs> a that looks cameo. like him. So that entertained me. <laughs> I don't know if that's, I don't think that was meant to be funny, but it stood out to me as just ridiculous. I also think it's interesting that the very first film to win Best Picture is a war film. Um, I don't know what that says about society. Do you think that that's, do you think that that's a part of the reason why it won, or do you think that's incidental? I, you know what, I have to say, I think that's a part of the reason why it won, because people at that time mm-hmm. were also obsessed with aviation, because Lindbergh, uh, good Doesn't old Charles Lindbergh. Doesn't he have a cheese and too? I, there was. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. He does have a cheese. He does. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're gonna keep that and just move on. But aviation was there was something very romantic about aviation and fighter pilots and just the, the wide open skies. It was it was the new frontier. And so I think it's a mixture of war, people seeing something that only a small percentage of society sees, and then also, you know, you're up in the sky and you're flying and that's cool and there's freedom and there's all this stuff. So it's probably a combination of both of those things. But I mean, people are still watching war movies now and and love them. Yeah, and they still win awards. They still win awards. Maybe just because it's such raw emotion. There's, There's something that happens in this movie that 
that has be I want to say I'm going to say that because of this film because I feel like this might be the first time that it's happened on film it's now become a trope in a lot of different films where it is the not necessarily the hero but a character steals an enemy aircraft in order to bring it back home Um, because the character of uh, David steals a German plane he gets shot down and he steals a German plane in order to get back to the allied forces and we see that I mean you definitely see that in uh, Battlestar Galactica Starbucks steals a Cylon Raider we've seen that in Star Wars uh, Indiana Jones steals that's right uh, you know um, n- random Nazi vehicles uh, so if you're ever in a situation a... where you have an enemy plane to escape you should do it but, well well, but what I feel like they should have all learned a lesson from this movie because he gets shot down <laughs> because he's in a German plane like so you got a 50-50 like, have... chance he's like I gotta get back uh, they won't shoot me down. <laughs> and I know I'm making light of it, but it, and that's a huge moment in the film because the person who shoots him down is his now best friend, Jack. But, but that wasn't the best idea. I guess he had no other options. Hey, you gotta do what you gotta do. Right? Sometimes you just gotta roll the dice. <laughs> and fly the German plane. <laughs> that's right. And win an award. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Hooray! <laughs> a major award. And then that was, I mean, that's a whole thing there that happened. It definitely propels the plot forward, but uh, the beginning of the film, uh, Jack and David are both vying for the hand of Sylvia. Sylvia actually is in love with David, but Jack thinks she's in love with him. Whatever. Um, so they <laughs> whatever. Are, whatever. Love triangle. They, uh, they become rivals at the beginning, but then become uh, best friends, brothers in arms, uh, as a term that's always used for for military and films about the war and things like that um so they don't become brothers and then to be shot down by this person that is your 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 brother um you know by accident Um, (laughs) that's what leads to that same sex kiss is when uh when david is dying because of jack's actions Uh, of course how could he know he also comes back there's something really nice about this film because it it actually tackles a lot of serious subjects he comes back with that guilt of, I mean, it's his fault that his friend died. And he goes to David's family to tell them, like, this is what happened. And and he talks about the guilt, it's his fault. And David's mom basically says, we, we would never blame you. She, yeah. she forgives him. I mean, forg- I don't want to say that she ever blamed him, so it's not like she had to forgive him, but she gives him the absolution, I think, that he needed in order to then move forward. And a Hershey bar. And a Hershey's bar. (laughs) (laughs) But then, like, the very next scene, he's so happy-go-lucky with Mary, and they're like, yeah, let's kiss under a fallen star. Life is great. Well, you gotta wrap it up in a pretty bow, you know? Right? Yeah. But some really nice things in this this film, just across the board. There was a lot of, definitely a lot of comedy. I feel like they, they balanced it nicely with the weight of the subject matter and what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, they did a great job. I thought it was a really good film. And like when we were going to sit down and watch this, and I had never actually heard of Wings before, mm-hmm. I kind of was like, oh, I don't know if I want to see this. But it ended up being <laughs> very, very entertaining. And it's, you know, especially for a silent film, which I, what, how soon after did the silent films die out? Uh, I think the next year. It was like shortly after. Yeah, they were on their way out. Yeah. Um, around this time. And I know that uh, Clara Bow, uh, even though she was 
really hot stuff at the time. The minute that Takis uh, started to take over, she pretty much lost her career because mm-hmm. I, they say that it was due to her heavy Brooklyn accent. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that happened to a couple of different actors um, who had like thick accents. They Their careers just kind of fell off when, when we started to be able to hear them talk. Interesting. Yeah, kind of sad. I mean, it was it was definitely shortly after this because the very next Academy Award winner, uh, Broadway Melody, I'm just going to let you guess what that could be about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to guess that wasn't silent. Yeah, but also, I mean, that, that kind of goes to show like how quickly the film industry adopts a new, uh, not necessarily technology, but just something new, and it becomes the norm. Yeah, it the, the industry really reinvents itself, like, qu- more and more now. Yeah. But it really does. Like, it's just, it's, I feel like as an actor, almost every day there's something new to, to learn. Like, you have to master so many things, and every day there's something else. Mm-hmm. Oh, now you got to be... You have to be proficient in this. You have to be proficient in that. You have to do social media. Now you have to film your own stuff. Now you have to know sound. Now you have to know. It's just, yeah, yeah it's just with the invention of YouTube and people making their own films and all these different platforms. It's just, it started slow, but then just over the years, just, you know, going faster and faster. I, I mean, I completely agree. Yeah. And especially for anybody who's listening, that's, that's not necessarily an actor. Um, one of the, biggest parts of our job is auditioning and you always think oh i'm gonna go someplace and i'm gonna audition in front of somebody but uh auditioning from home and sending a tape of yourself in is now pretty much the norm and what we're doing almost i would say 90 percent of the time right now Mm -hmm. granted a lot of us are home because of uh, the virus that's going on but yeah but, but it was already going that direction before the yeah. pandemic and now it's it's self-tapes plus zoom auditions yeah, yeah. So you have to be proficient in uh if you're doing a self-tape in making sure the lighting is correct and they say you don't have to worry about that stuff but you do you because do. it has to look good it has to sound good they have to be able to hear and see yeah. what you're doing you have to have your own home studio although it's i guess that's very similar to okay i have to operate the camera i have to fly the plane i have to make sure people are in the frame. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, at least we don't have to fly the plane. We can always look at that. Yeah, I don't have to fly the plane. Um, we think I we think... have it so hard. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to look out for seagulls flying towards our face. Oh, God. Chip, chip, chip. <laughs> um, you just count as seagulls with Charlemagne and you'll be fine. Ah, You're I welcome. suddenly remembered my Charlemagne. <laughs> one of... One of the only lines that stands out to me, which I love and I feel like should be made into a t-shirt, is when they're in the restaurant. (laughs) Jack is sitting there. It's Again, it's right after that tracking shot. He suddenly becomes obsessed with bubbles in his champagne. That's right. uh, He starts shaking everybody's glass and spilling champagne all over everybody. Because it's a good time. Um, It's great. Um, But he... Uh, uh, Mary is there trying to get him to come back because they've all been recalled. Leave is over. And he goes, no war, just bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would wear that. that t-shirt. I would Me wear too. that t-shirt. Like, yeah, no war, just bubbles. We should just start a, a merch line of like the best quotes from movies. Like from older movies because I'm sure that does exist for newer I'll get movies. one of our assistants to take care of that. Yeah. I'll take care of that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, with Wings, if you had to pair this with a drink, what would you what would you drink this with as you're watching this movie? Heck. 
aviation gin and tonic. Oh, all right. So that's good. Yeah. That's did real good. Did you have one? What and did I, you have? I did not. I clearly did not put that much thought into it. And that's super clever. Uh, I just assumed champagne because there's the whole Because what thing. was the quote but again? Aviation, gin and tonic. No war, just bubbles. <laughs> no war, just <laughs> bubbles. I mean, he just sees bubbles everywhere. Which, by the way, the bubble effect was really cool because that was something that was added in, in post and it was that's animated. Right. They put all these little cartoon bubbles all over the place. Yeah, no, I went with champagne. Um, but aviation, gin, and tonic. That wins the day. Uh, that's so much smarter. <laughs> and if Ryan Reynolds is listening, we're, we're looking for sponsorship. <laughs> or friendship. No? Either way. Or friendship, right? Or, or uh, friendly rivalry, because uh, I think he's up for all of those. Sure. Bring it on. I'm him and Hugh Jackman? All right. Never mind. I don't know. I, I think that pretty much does it for me. Do you have anything else? I think those are the like those are the main fun facts that we that I yeah. got out of uh, finding out more about this. It film. was definitely a fun watch. It was more entertaining than I thought. I know, like you too. I kind of went into a dreading. Like same here. I thought it was going to be a oh, drag. It's a silent <laughs> film, um, but yeah. it was it was it was great. Um, it was yeah. so incredibly well acted. It was definitely well directed. The the stunts were staged in such a way that it looked I mean it looked real it looked like we were watching we could have been watching a news clip at some point um you know yeah right uh or any one of those old propaganda you're on the fronts with you know whatever um you always hear those old never mind Uh, (laughs) but it looked like footage from it did look like footage from from a war so it was like really well done it really did yeah so and, and like i said before like pace wise it moved really well for a, a movie with a, a decent runtime because it is a uh, a silent film so you've got to make time and allowance for all of the title cards but it's still clipped along really well it did not seem like a very long movie i mean it yeah. was a little long okay well and we did say like the, the battle scene did, okay this dragged on we're ready to move on now okay let's wrap this up yeah but we're seeing. I think I think it was worth seeing. So I recommend if people have the time, and you know want to rent it for what oh, yeah. like four bucks. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's like four dollars. Yeah. Um, also, to see sort of where the Academy started and what they thought was best picture in in 1929. This is great. And you, I mean, watching it, you definitely start to see patterns in movies that you've seen now. Things that are still still there storytelling wise we're still seeing these same characters these same tropes things like that um it's still there we just keep reusing the same stuff or it's at least um i don't want to say influencing but informing more modern movies still right i'm inspired nice uh, well that'll do it for uh our episode on wings the wings. Very first academy award winner <laughs> join us next time where we will be talking about the Broadway melody. Hey! Which pretty much sounds like it's yeah, da, 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 da. That's exactly it. Well done. <laughs> that sums it up. That's the summary. <laughs> <sighs> All right. I'll buy that for 25 cents. And that's the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs>